It's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over to my apartment to watch any TV show they want. And we talk about it, and we talk about a bunch of other crap. Today, my very special guest is Eric Sloven, who you might know as a writer from Saturday Night Live, uh, from the, dare I say, legendary um, sketch group of Sloven and Allen. I'll, I'll dare, I won't dare you to say legendary. <laughs> and the uh, head writer of uh, Comedy Central's Night of Too Many Stars. <laughs> How you doing, Eric? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very, very fine. Thank you so much for coming to my apartment. Of course. It's, it's great to be in your apartment. Um, welcome. We've already been talking for a long time before the mics are on, so this isn't the, the beginning have, of our Should we have spoken less before we turn yeah. the mics on? Yeah, we're not as fresh as we could have been. Um, so uh, uh, why don't you tell us what show you decided to watch today? Well, I decided to watch an episode of the Bob Newhart show. Um, from the 1970s, not Newhart from the 80s, but Bob Newhart. So totally, two totally different people. Now, as somebody, he totally reinvented himself. To- totally unrelated. <laughs> um, not even the same cast no. or same lead. Um, not true. But I've never seen this show at all. I've uh-huh. heard, obviously, know Bob Newhart. I know his like uh, sense of humor, and I know he's like a legend. But I feel like. Um, I know very little about this show in general. Well, this was definitely a show I watched a ton as a kid. And uh, I don't know. It seemed like a fun to watch because I think – I mean I remember loving them. I, I definitely loved them when I was a kid. Uh, whether I like it now, I guess we'll find out in a second. Maybe I'll hate it. But uh, it definitely played well off of uh, Bob Newhart's whole persona. And uh, – and it seems more fun to watch a show that I think will be good than to watch a show that I think will be terrible. Yes. But well, also more fun to see something that I haven't seen for a long time so that I can see it with fresh eyes. Fresh eyes. Now, did it, so do you wa- did you watch Newhart when it happened as well? I, I, you know, I didn't really watch that show. I don't know. I, I guess I was uh, of an age where I, <laughs> I didn't well, – I don't know. I don't know why – that was really popular, and I remember that being really popular, but I didn't uh, care. But when I was when I was little, and Bob Newhart would be on, that was you know it was on. There was there were only so many channels, and it was on in reruns all the time. So I definitely remember, you know, it was like Bob Newhart and Mary Tyler Moore and All in the Family. The, the shows were on all the time. Just, I mean, even like just thinking about the, cause when we were talking about what shows the, you mentioned those three is like, uh, you mentioned odd couple, Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, odd this. Couple, yeah. so we were talking about that before. Um, we were talking about that before. <sighs> unfortunately it was, it was gold and unfortunately didn't make it onto the podcast, but, um, but the, all those shows, just when you say them seem so much more classy than like a lot of shows, like even just the well, style of those shows. Than the first, on. the first thing that like strikes me about all those shows is just thinking about them is that the, people were older that all the actors were older the odd couple they were old i mean obviously all in the family i mean uh carol o'connor and uh and edith <laughs> i'm forgetting your name i'm totally embarrassed um uh, yeah um, i do eat it I was... maureen stapleton gene stapleton <laughs> gene, gene simmons gene Trimblehorn. uh that's terrible i'm totally embarrassed um uh anyway no they, they were all uh older um I guess I, I, maybe they weren't that much older. Maybe they seemed old because I was seven. But uh, uh, um, but I do think that 
it wasn't like, uh, yeah, I mean, Mary Tyler Moore show, you'd have uh, Gavin McLeod and Ted Knight. I mean, Ted Knight was gray and Gavin McLeod was bald and, and Lou Grant, you know, Ed Asner was, you wouldn't have that today. No, you would I never mean, Bob Newhart that. too. He's like an old, like they're all, they all have like a feel to them that's like grown up. Mature. Yeah. They're all grown up. I, I, I think you just don't have that today. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Well, I feel like, I don't know if friends was the shift, but like everything now is like, it's like hot young people. And even if it's like, um, like a show with like Betty White or whatever, they just slap like two like hot younger people yeah. next to her anyway. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, well, um, what am I trying to say? Red Fox and Sanford and Son. Yeah. I mean, all those shows. They, yeah, they were just like older comics who had been doing it for a million years or older actors. And uh, it wasn't it didn't freak people out. I, I don't think that uh, um, MASH, MASH was obviously like a more mature yeah, concept. Totally. Obviously, later there were some sort of... Um, scientific study of demographics and uh, appealing to a younger audience um but uh people uh, get better when they get older yeah. they're probably well, yeah. more equipped to uh make a good show well was there anything um like when you watch this as a kid i mean where does bob newhart show even take place i don't even know what the what the like setting uh, is i want to say chicago was where bob newhart show but is place. it like in an office or it's uh oh see so you know nothing i, I know newhart. like he's a therapist he's a therapist oh. so it's kind of like the sopranos okay um what's that the sopranos is a show about a therapist um <laughs> Uh, Johnny Soprano, Johnny Soprano, Doctor Johnny Soprano. Uh, no, he was a therapist, and he and he had a he had clients, patients who would come in for group therapy. And Suzanne Plachette was his wife, and uh, his neighbor was um, Howard, uh, the pilot, who was also on I Dream of Jeannie. And I'm forgetting his. He's also again, if I were more. Uh, knowledgeable i would know his name i'm forgetting his name he was very famous from from this and from uh you know i, I don't know if it was the original wacky neighbor but one of the original <laughs> and uh yeah they were um it took place in his office and in his apartment so is this like so i because i think when i watched the shows when i was a kid i mean i'm a little bit younger than you but they're all like sort of family sitcoms and you sort of relate to the kids in it you know when i was a kid uh -huh. but so like when you were a kid watching this do you remember being like like well aware of what was even you know sort of like the idea of group therapy and like oh yeah i think that i don't think i had i don't think i knew um I think that group therapy in the 70s was like a joke that you right. knew, probably from shows like this and probably from other shows. Sort of like yoga was in the early 90s, where it was like, yoga is oh, like, yeah, a, yeah. like a joke. Yeah, or like sushi was at one point. Right. People would make jokes about eating raw fish before they knew anything about it. Yeah, I think that I think I knew enough about the idea of group therapy. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's not even true, but I, I definitely got it. I mean, I knew... I knew he was a doctor and that those people came to him for help <laughs> and that, I mean, it was a pretty smart way to use, to get uh, funny people to just to get characters mm -hmm. you know, to just show up and be, be oddballs and have him play the straight guy and act, re react to them. Um, but yeah, I don't, I think that, but that's what I mean. I don't think that shows need to have young characters for young people to think that it's funny. I think that you, um, 
if it's the only thing that's on television, you're going to be psyched to see it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I definitely don't think I had a trouble, had trouble yeah. uh, uh, enjoying it. But at the same time, I'm sure I didn't get a lot of the references. Right. I mean, the Brady Bunch was on television, and I'm sure I liked – was more excited to see Bob Newhart than the Brady Bunch when I was age-appropriate for – the Brady Bunch and not for Bob. Because you're, sophi- you're a more sophisticated yeah. fellow. I'm a, I am. You're beating around the bush. You're a very sophisticated uh, man. I was I was more sophisticated when I was seven than I am today. <laughs> You've uh, uh, reverted? What's the word? I don't know. Um, I, uh, something. Something er- averted. <laughs> something verted. Yes. I, I really can't think of the word. Um, so you haven't seen this show since it, air- like, since it aired? I've probably seen a... Um, like a I've PBS probably retrospective. Seen, <laughs> no, 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 I've probably seen moments of it. Uh, in, yeah, probably like a clip in some context over the years. But the last time I sat and watched an entire episode of it, you know, by the way, the famous ending of the second New Heart show. The, yes, I know that. That's like one of the most famous moments. Wait, let me guess it before, because uh-huh. I'm sure. not. So New Heart was the second show, and I believe that the last episode of New Heart he wakes up from a dream, and it's him from the Bob Newhart exactly, show, exactly. which is Crazy, which is it's amazing. It's a, such a good. I know that's like that's like one of those ideas that uh, so many people on other shows must have been so jealous of. It's such an amazingly good idea. Again, you can never do it again. That no. idea is is forever done. Wasn't there another show that ended with like a? It was like a a kid. A troubled kid or something. The whole show was like in this kid's mind. Oh, wasn't that? Um, oh, that's. People are going to hear this and go, they're idiots. <laughs> this is I, a TV podcast. I want to say now. something. I want to say like, uh, Saints. Yeah, there was, a, there was, there was a kid. Was it like a Downs? Syndrome yeah, kid? I feel like it was. Saint Elsewhere? Yes, was I think that's elsewhere? what I think it is. I think it is. Well, well, it, wasn't it, <laughs> was it a snow globe? Yes, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, I totally. This is really, this is, this is a moment that you and I are the only two. Who don't know what this is. No, but I think that's what it is. And I've read. This is like not knowing the name of Edith. It's, it's totally embarrassing. Um, um, it, it was Meryl Streep. It was Meryl Streep. No, that was that was a very famous uh, series end too. That right? Yeah, I wonder if that came before. That or was after. an eight. No, that was an eighty. Oh, oh, well, it was probably in the same era. Ooh, who who stole what? That was in the eighties, right? That was in the eighties. Everything was a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it was all a dream sequence. It was so dreamy. Uh, but that's pretty amazing that they decided to do that. I mean, it's such a good joke. It's in, just such a good joke. Now, in Newhart, what was his prof- uh, what was his profession? In Newhart, he owned uh, an inn in in New Hampshire or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Well, well, you know, most psychiatrists they dream <laughs> of of owning an inn for years. Well, I guess that's another. And I, and I re- never really watched that show. Um, but I imagine if you own an inn, that's another opportunity to have people come and go and be hilariously funny. But uh, yeah, and he had like local the the Daryl Daryl my, my brother Daryl. Again, I'm getting this <laughs> totally wrong. There was, but there was there were characters who were they were like this is I'm Daryl and this is my brother Daryl. Like that was famous. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know this. I don't, I don't know, know this, this either. Uh, <laughs> I did no research and uh and uh That was really famous. These are like these are like pop culture references. <laughs> See, this just goes to show you this is a whole, these pop culture references at the time were so gigantic that you could have said it to anybody 
in whatever, 1980. You'd be like, hey, I'm Daryl, you're Daryl. Oh, yeah. And then my people... Brother, and everyone would know what you were talking about. And now uh, we, have, we have... It's totally gone. Yeah. It's, it's true. No one has any... So what, what's big today? What's big? Um, what's a pop culture reference from the television? Bazinga. I, I don't, I, that's from, uh, I was just talking about somebody this week. I, I've never seen, I've seen like parts of episodes of uh, Big Bang Theory. Uh-huh. And I've seen t-shirts with the word Bazinga. Oh, is that a reference from it's Big like, Bang Theory? It's a re- reference and I asked somebody what it meant and they're like, it's just an exclamation and it's on like t-shirts. It's like, did oh, I do that? It's like. <laughs> that's something that the characters say, but that's not, that's not. No, but this, when, with but the Bob Newhart show and Newhart, you know, when, when there was less on television, right? Those references, really, everybody would know. But Bazinga! I've never even heard of Bazinga. I mean, there's there's shows that are big. I mean, I never saw. I've. You might know this, but I've never. In, maybe on an airplane once, but I don't know if I ever saw a, an episode of Friends. Start, really? Start wow. Mm-hmm. But I know what Central Perk is. Right. Right. Uh, I, I I I honestly never sat down and watched an episode of Friends ever. Uh, I, I think I did on an airplane once cause I, I was on an airplane and, uh, uh, but you know, I know, I know, I know all the characters names on the right. show. That's how big it is. But Bazinga, nobody, that's, that's not, that doesn't compare to like, you know, Phoebe. <laughs> I just like that naming the name Phoebe. Phoebe. That's all I know. Well, that was either. Smelly cat. Like smell. Do you know, have you heard of smelly cat? That's a friend's thing. No, I don't know if smelly cat. It's Phoebe sang a song called smelly cat. But it's like you'd even know like man hands or like yada, yada, yada. Like well, Seinfeld that, yes, has yes, like yes, yeah. a billion of those where yeah, you just yeah. like can rattle off. Well, everybody knew. I mean, Nanu, Nanu. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, Mork and Mindy was a terrible television show. Uh-huh. But everybody in, the, everybody in the country knew Nanu, Nanu. Uh, that or, show. You know, Mork calling Orson, come in Orson. Everybody. There isn't anybody in the country who didn't know that. Hey. You know what I always say? Bazinga. Bazinga. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So why don't we check out um, uh, the Bob Newhart show? We're watching an episode called Bob Hits the Ceiling because we basically looked up some top episodes on – we basically believed in one person on Amazon.com. The first person who commented on (laughs) Amazon.com. Who wrote a very, very uh, thorough uh, um, review of the best episodes of, uh, Mm -hmm. of Bob Newhart. So let's check it out. What do you say? I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, hello? Yes, yes, operator. Will, will I accept charges from where? Uh, no, I, I don't even know anyone in Mexico City. <laughs> Mexico City. Oh, that's right. Frank's in Mexico City. He's probably calling Diane to yell at her. Collect? Uh, uh, Diane? D- take it easy, Frank. Uh, Diane, uh, will, will you please get time and charges uh, when you're through? Thank you. Emily, I'm really getting tired of this. Oh, Bob, I wish you'd be understanding. I mean, Diane had nowhere to go and she didn't want to be alone. Doesn't anyone go home to mother anymore? <laughs> Her mother's going through a very difficult divorce. Oh, that's, uh, that's too bad. Don't give her my number. Oh, oh, you're being silly about this. I mean, Diane being here hasn't changed our routine at all. Emily, 
I came home from the office. I had a dinner of alfalfa sprouts and a casserole. Then I couldn't watch, couldn't watch Police Story because she wanted to have a session on the living room couch. And now a telephone call in the middle of the night. Well, aside from that. Tell her we're not here. Come in, Diane. I hope I'm not intruding. Don't be silly. Frank called, huh? Yeah, he's at a dynamic tension convention in Mexico City. But he's coming home tomorrow, and he said I'd better be there when he gets home, and then he hung up. Oh, but don't worry. The operator's calling back with time and charges. Oh, that is necessary. Yes, 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 it is. All right. We just watched uh, the Bob Newhart show. Your thoughts after uh, 30 years. That was... uh... Probably more than thirty. Oh wait, but that was on in seventy. So like four. Wait, well, I if I saw that episode, which I don't have any memory of seeing that episode, I saw it probably in rerun. But probably, yeah, probably over definitely over thirty years. Yeah, ago. more like thirty-five years ago. Uh, that was uh, that 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 episode was disappointing. Yeah, yeah, that episode was disappointing. There were definitely. I mean, there's definitely some funny writing in it, but it's like, I mean. Well, but a lot of it is so... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, please. Well, I mean, some of it... Like, so much of it is so dated. Yeah. I, I guess I thought it would hold up better. I mean, I can remember... I, there are definitely episodes of Mary Tyler Moore and and uh, and MASH and uh, uh, All in the Family that hold up better. Than, and pro- there are probably episodes of Bob Newhart... Uh, that hold up better than that, but there, like that had so many references to um, like health food, yeah, like seventies yeah. jokes about health like food, like alfalfa sprouts. Yeah, and that's and it's funny because I remember I can remember alfalfa sprouts being a joke. Right, like, I think I joked about alfalfa sprouts, which is obvious. Obviously, we were all copying something else, making jokes about alfalfa sprouts. Uh, like it's it's just so ridiculous that alfalfa sprouts was considered health food, and that that must have been. I guess that was really funny to people at the time. An alfalfa sprout reference. I mean, there are so many things. There were like two other scenes that directly revolved around. One was a collect phone call that cost like yeah, a, yeah. a lot of money, and then the other one was ripping up a phone book. Um, I know, ripping which up was a phone like, book. oh my god, these just don't. It's not an experience that even sort of makes sense anymore. Well, that. I think that I, that jokes about collect phone calls probably were pretty common. That that kind of a joke, yeah. But ripping a phone book, like, a, what is somebody who doesn't know what a phone book? <laughs> well, or yeah, the fact that yeah, that phone that that the phone a phone call came for another person. Forget the collect phone call joke. There's a joke about being woken up in the middle of the night by the phone ringing for another person, right? Which is an experience that yeah nobody nobody experienced has had for a long time. Um, why don't we just quickly break down the plot of the episode so um, listeners might, who haven't watched? Might I feel have, bad. I was so excited to see this, and I feel well, like I chose a bad. No, no. Well, we chose it together, so we're both. Incre- now, we now it makes me feel like I wish I we just watched a Welcome Back, Cotter, or something, <laughs> something silly. Um, okay, so break down the episode. So yeah, basically what happened was that Bob Newhart up top says to his wife, um, "Yeah, that he I, he won't work. That he won't. That he's a." Th- he calls himself a psychologist. I don't know, psychotherapist. He won't see f- uh, friends of relatives, relatives of friends, friends of friends, or as friends, a, or friends as a patient. As a patient, so he says no to her. And then Howard, their neighbor, comes in, and he does say that he'll see his ex-wife. Right. 
and uh, and and then so then basically he's he's uh, guilted into seeing uh, his wife's friend from the the nutritionist from school who's having marital problems. And then basically he he uh, inspires her to basically leave her husband, not in a divorce, but just uh, separate for a Take little amount. Take some time. Well, she comes over and stays with them. And stays with them. So that's, a, that's a big joke is that she takes his advice and comes and moves in with them. And that's problematic. And then, and then the big guy who's her... Uh, boyfriend is a gym husband. teacher and comes. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't see a ring. That's why oh, I said. Uh, oh, okay, sorry. Why was he wearing a ring? <laughs> sorry, he wore a whistle. He wore um, a whistle. But then he comes and and intimidates Newhart. But I, just thinking back as we're talking about, it, like you mentioned, the um, his neighbor Howard is like, "Well, you help my ex wife who like whose husband like try to run her over and everything." He set up this huge thing of like basically an attempted murder. Uh-huh. And that's like forgotten for the rest of the episode. That's one of the things I noticed. It's like, as compared to uh, ep- uh, TV shows now, there's only like an A story in this one, and yeah. like maybe like a hint of because he goes to the dentist, like a hint of a B story. Not but- really. That was more just. That was more a because because Jerry the dentist is a regular. Okay, so that. Jerry's in every episode. So so he's just basically facilitating the main yeah, storyline anyway. still facilitating the A-line and giving him Novocaine, which is supposed to make the confrontation with the husband funnier because he's gotten uh, – he can't speak clearly because he's on Novocaine. But that doesn't even basically – that hardly even pays off. I mean he – Well, it, it's, it's weird that basically nothing in the episode pays off. I mean right? No, essentially nothing in that episode – uh, I, I guess the fact that you see the husband come and she joke she jokes the wife jokes about how the husband has an amazing body and is big and athletic and then he comes in and he's just sort of a goon. Yeah, and he's also like that cliched goon too. You know, he he can't express himself. He's like um like in Archie, what's his name? Like Moose. You yeah, know, he's yeah. like that type of guy, just sort of yelling and threatening. It was a very weird episode. Not, yeah, basically nothing – there was sort of no tie-up. Tie well, that, yeah. that ending was one of the more bizarre endings I've yeah. ever seen to a TV show, which is that Bob Newhart at the end – oh, so in the scene with this big gym teacher that's intimidating him, he's trying to make a phone call to the guy's wife so he can apologize. And he's like, while I'm dialing, you should cool down by trying to rip apart this phone book. And uh, the the big guy tries and fails, and then he hands him a smaller phone book for the suburbs. Well, I thought that was I thought the joke there was actually that I think the joke and was that he first hands him the white pages, okay, which are really huge, right? And then he gives him the yellow pages, which are smaller. Although I don't, the, the yellow pages were always as big as the white pages, but. I thought that's. What, I thought he said this is the suburbs. Oh, well, like, was, did is, he say that? I think he said. Oh, okay. I think he well, then you're that. right. Then, then that's a joke. Out of the city, the Chicago, the yellow pa- pages, white page, yeah, is really big, and the suburbs are small. Uh, and then Bob Newhart proceeds to rip apart the. He's able to rip apart the the smaller phone pages where the big guy can, and then the ending is him like going back home and telling his wife, Bob Newhart, telling his wife that he can't go out like tonight tomorrow night or the night after because he's going to the gym and then the end last line is like 
I got to get to the gym by, and he and he makes a muscle like yeah. as if he's looking at his watch. He goes seven p.m. and it yeah, freeze the classic, the joke of looking at your watch and making a muscle to show off your your muscles. It was just it was so bizarre. But even that actually, that's another dated joke. Just the, the joke of going to the gym. Which today is like a normal thing. Yeah, everyone goes to the gym or you understand that people go to the gym every day and him saying, I'm going to go to the gym tonight and tomorrow night, which is weird Which to is, wife. for now, it would be like if you're going to the gym, you're, oh, you're a healthy person. And yeah, then it was this oddity going to the – well, a lot of – it's just, it's just comedy. It's dated. I mean I, th- I think probably the fact that he's a psychologist or a therapist, that was a – was novel then in 1970 mm-hmm. in the mid seventies or early seventies. I think Jerry being an orthodontist, I think that that you know, or orthodontia probably was, I, like, I'm not saying it was new then, but I, I, I imagine there were, it was like a, uh, that these were like considered like luxuries, maybe uh-huh. <laughs> that were like new things you would do, like eating health food and exercising. And, right. Now but, everything just is like everything that was, was just, now just very normal yeah now now that's exactly that's all stuff that we've had for 40 years and there's really nothing funny about it Uh, (laughs) the other oh sorry well no I mean I remember New Heart episodes where there were people who came in who were uh, you know when he would do the group therapy and and they were really funny his patients were all crazy and obviously this was not an episode with that. So that was, I was disappointed not to see that. But um, Also, I just realized, I noticed while watching, besides for like there being one storyline and all that, it was just a very low-key show. Like everything about it felt very low-key. Like even the studio audience laughter just felt like – But I think that – don't you think that that's – again, I don't know if we sat here and watched more – uh, episodes from the se- uh, of different shows from the seventies relative to today. I feel like everything was was lower key. I mean, everything yes, was yes. lower key. Yeah. And uh, it's I know it's weird the pacing. I mean that that I actually really liked about yeah. the show. I mean, it wasn't as funny as I hoped it would be, but th- it's it's not like it's not obnoxious. It's there's nothing obnoxious about it. Right. And I let and Newhart's delivery is still funny. I mean, the way he says things is funny, and it's funny. You know, he get he has a, a phone bit. He answers the phone when that collect call comes from Mexico, and you can see him do uh, the classic Newhart talking to somebody on a phone thing, and just hearing him pick up a phone and say hello yeah. in that Newhart way is is cool. Um, but I I like. I like the mellowness of it because uh, now I feel like when you know you have uh, sitcoms with just sort of rapid fire assault of energy and jokes and uh, and I guess you know probably even a, a sitcom that I didn't wouldn't like today I would probably maybe giggle more at jokes mm, right. like, I, like these jokes really are in this episode are definitely dated yes I mean it's it's kind of amazing to see how dated they are or not amazing because maybe I would expect that but uh, I thought that there would be more that would make me laugh in this but but I do like that I do like the pacing of it and yeah it's weird for me though for me like when I watch a show like this my mom I think because I am, I've re- really noticed that my attention span is getting shorter and shorter. Like it's become so much more noticeable to me. Like when I watch this, I'm like, 
expecting like so, like there needs to be something that like pops up and happens yeah. or I'm like even the transition shots with like where they show the outside of the office yeah. it's like that barely exists anymore oh you know? yeah yeah and uh the intro show was I mean the the like um the theme song had like a music change in it yeah which yeah. is fairly non-existent anymore as well things I mean it's amazing I you watch like uh, late night with David Letterman from nineteen from the early eighties from the beginning of the show. I mean, pretty much all when he was on NBC compared to when he went to CBS. Well, I, even that's so long ago. I mean, that's been so many years. But the early show was so mellow, pacing wise, mm-hmm. compared to today. Um, and the audience doesn't scream that much. Yeah. The audience laughter is not that loud and people don't cheer for, I mean, you know, obviously this is all like documented, like when these changes happen, like Arsenio Hall and stuff. But I mean, it really is amazing how much, uh, television has changed in, well, in my lifetime. And with the Letterman, somebody put, I think this is from the late night show. It must be before CBS, but, um, Somebody put a clip online of Mandy Patankin singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow on Late uh, Night with David Letterman. And first of all, it's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, he's amazing. But I was like, that sort of thing. He just comes out in, like, a T-shirt and jeans and sings yeah, that. Yeah. And it just the tone of that, them inviting him just to sing that song was really different than anything would happen today. Yeah, it's – I don't know. I mean – Look, comedy is going to be is always it, some comedy is going to age well, and some comedy is not going to age well. And Bob Newhart's stand up, I think that stuff ages really well. Like the, his old mm-hmm. the stand up albums are still really funny. I mean, probably not as funny to us today as they were when they were first out, but still funny. Um, I mean, still totally smart. And brilliant, but yeah, I mean that's just the reality. Is the stuff what we expect pacing wise is gonna oh, yeah. is, is gonna be different. I, I mean, I do like it. It is. We were talking before watching it about how people are older, and it is really interesting to see the 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 actors, the cast. I mean, Suzanne Plachette's obviously a beautiful woman mm-hmm. with like a hairstyle that's totally dated, but uh-huh. still, she's a you know. Uh, she comes off so mature. I mean, it's weird. I'm older now than Suzanne Plachette is in that show, but I still look at her as sort of like a grown up. Yeah. <laughs> much more mature than, yes. than, than I am. Uh, I mean, that part of that's her, her voice, her famous voice, but, uh, but the, but Jerry and, uh, Carol, you know, Marshall, uh, Wallace and, uh, the whole cast. I mean, they're not beautiful people. Yeah. Um, the the guy who comes in as the husband, and the woman who plays the the friend, they, like all the guest characters are are older and not like the it, they were clearly. I, I mean, I don't know why they got cast, but it, it, the reason people get put on sitcoms today, it's not well, the same thing. Also, the style. I mean, also the '70s style does not uh, definitely doesn't uh, enhance people's looks. Like. But but it's it's not just it's like also. One thing I was struck by, so the big guy, the husband, the, the gym teacher guy, and yeah, he's got this crazy 70s haircut. And yeah, that's going to look goofy to us today. But I was like – I was just looking at his uh, his uh, wardrobe. He's got a wallet in his back pocket. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like this bulging wallet yeah, in his yeah. back pocket. And I just don't th- – I don't know – 
I don't know if that's a choice that the that the wardrobe made, but I don't think that would happen. No, I, you're totally right. It's well, that's the weird same thing, thing. with like Bob Newhart has a pinky, pinky ring, ring and a bracelet that he a gold bracelet that he wears to bed, and it's like I, oh, but I think that that might actually be that might be style of the time. I mean, because I know I was struck by Bob Newhart's pinky ring because I don't think of Bob Newhart's persona yeah. as um, as pinky ring, right? So I'm assuming that's like a 70s thing that like a yeah because like the sort of the nebbish the the sweet you know he's like professorial yes, sweet right. um, he's waspier than a nebbish but uh, he's sweet and professorial and and meek and he's got a pinky ring and we think of pinky rings as being like a, like something like a mafioso like and, Johnny Soprano yeah, right? yeah. so. Yeah, that's weird, but I think that that must have – like in the 70s, I think that you saw that him. and you were like, whatever, that that wasn't weird. But it's just weird to think that wh- – why does that guy have a, this giant wallet in his back pocket that you – I mean unless maybe someone would say, oh, no, that was very – that was so common then that it would have been weird. But it's really weird to see a, 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 a guest on a television show with a giant wallet in his back pocket. <laughs> like what? It's just like the kind of – it looks like he wore clothing in off the street yeah. and, they, and they just said, yeah, go, you can yeah, go, whatever. Just, yeah. go yeah. on like that, I, which I think is kind of awesome. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that they don't seem to care about, but it's not like it's it's not like it's lazy no, no. television making. I mean it's totally this, – this was – I mean I don't know what the numbers were that saw that. That episode was seen by a giant audience. Well, that's what's so crazy is um, – Probably millions and millions of people must have seen this show. And when I was reading this book called Showrunners um, uh-huh. about TV show people who like oversee the writing and er- like every aspect of the, I guess the writing process of the show and then producing as well. And they're saying that like Seinfeld, which is later obviously at its height, was having like 38 million people watch episodes. And like shows that were being canceled were like 10 or 12 million people watching or maybe a little less. Like now the biggest sitcoms probably get like three or four million people. Is I don't know. Is it, is it, I, maybe it's – maybe that's probably like – yeah. but I, it's lower than like yeah. – definitely lower than like 10 million people. Yeah. Oh, no. So, I'm sure that when there were only three networks, I mean how many people were watching? I mean I don't know what day of the week this – the Bob Newhart show was on and what it was up against. Right. Um but presumably, whatever it was up against, we're not watching on Apple TV or box sets don't exist of it. Right. So presumably, this was – this. Could, I could be totally wrong, but I'm guessing that th- with this episode we just watched was the biggest show of that night of right. the week, which probably means it was tens of millions of people. Yeah. And I'd say that, that even it. the shows that weren't watched on Apple TV or in box sets oh, yeah. probably still had bigger viewers than stuff that's on right now. I know. In, I know. Which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, because of uh, cable now is, you know, they're just a million more channels. It would be people. interesting to to see a lineup, you know, like what was what was on at 830 on Thursday night in, you know, November, whatever of 1974. What was what was on NBC, CBS and ABC and what were the numbers for that? And yeah, what was the least watched show on the networks again this is not stuff that's hard to find with the internet and people who know more about television but it is it's i mean it's just the reality you watch uh you watch uh Sid Caesar you know not 
there's stuff that's amazingly funny today, still today, but a lot of it just doesn't, it's just the reality. It just doesn't play as much anymore. Uh, and it is it is interesting to see, to see. I mean, that's another thing. You, you end up it's it is fascinating purely on a sort of uh, uh, I don't know cultural sociological level. Just I mean, there, there's a joke in this about kidnapping his wife and caging her. Yeah. Oh yeah. And 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 it's and the punchline. I mean, he, the joke is that he's being crazy and irrational, but it isn't like it's okay, not like whoa, that like you're a lunatic been, and you should go to jail. Yeah, and there was a joke about drunk driving and trying to hit a, a woman with a car. Yeah, and and there wasn't like, oh my god, these are like insane people who should be arrested. It was like, oh, they're crazy, you know. Like, it's it's hard. It's a, it's pretty much impossible to watch an episode like that and not be fixated on the cultural changes. Uh, it, it's. I mean, they're so, or to to want to make fun of what they're laughing at then, like jokes about alfalfa sprouts, like right. how naive they were in the '70s to be making silly jokes like that. Like we're so much more oh, yeah, advanced we're, we're, today. Yeah, it's probably like I mean, yeah. iPhone jokes galore and all this. Oh, I, well, but that's a, that's a thing. Like I I always think that that uh, with te- the rate of technology changing. You have you use devices in movies and television like phone calls, collect phone calls, or uh, you know tons of exposition would happen in film and television based on like phone call, picking up the telephone, uh, and then for many years there were like answering machine sure. forms of ex- like Terminator. Isn't there sort of a classic? Yes, uh, he hears the answering machine message. Um, oh well, there's the thing of. Uh, Yes, in the first Terminator, there's an answering machine. Doesn't he hear yes, yes. Where, uh, where Sarah Connor is? Sarah Connor is, and yeah, because she leaves the message on the machine, or somebody leaves the message on the machine. And now you couldn't do that, you know, but people will be able to look at whatever Terminator and or Newhart and see a collect phone call, or, and they'll get it. But now, like, technology changes so quickly that I feel like there will be references people will make a, uh, a whatever an iPhone joke uh, I don't know about expanding your photo in your iPhone right. or something like pinching it and uh, it'll be in a TV show today and it literally will make zero sense in six years yeah. like, it, it'll have been such a short window that that technology was an interesting joke but th- a collect phone call I guess that was a joke for 50 years yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that made sense for a long, much for longer. For a longer period of time. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, one of the things also that's sort of different stylistically is just the name of the show. It's the Bob Newhart show, and his name in the show is Robert Hartley, right? Yeah. Bob Hartley. And don't they still do that? I don't think so. Like, because the Cosby show was like that. It was about the Huxtables. Uh, I think like they always did that. Mary Tyler Moore was Mary Richards. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't because I grew up more on like the Seinfeld, where it's like, oh, it's Jerry Seinfeld, and he plays Jerry Seinfeld. In. But what's even the point of changing the name? Like, I think that Jerry Seinfeld. Well, again, I wish I knew more about television history, but isn't isn't that a wasn't that the uh, the change? Seinfeld. I mean, I have to assume so because that was playing yourself, literally playing yourself. Yeah, in I, that sense, Jerry Seinfeld was, was a stand-up comedian on a show. Yes, he he plays himself straight up. 
uh, I mean, but I don't think that that's it. I don't think that comedians from like what was Dick Van Dyke's name on the Dick Van Dyke show? Dick it, Van Trike. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It was Dick Van Patten. Uh, no, uh, it was. Uh, oh, it's Rob. It's Rob. Uh, his name is Rob. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't. It's, oh, because it's Rob Reiner. Is that what it's supposed to be? No, no, I don't know. I don't think that. Wait, but it wasn't Rob Reiner. Yeah, Rob Reiner. And it's about did, a comedy writer. I guess maybe that's why he's Rob. But it's, is it supposed to be? But then they, they gave him not. To, they didn't give him a Jewish name. Damn them. Uh, yeah, but that's the Dick Van Dyke show, and his name wasn't even his first name wasn't even Dick. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I guess if it's like, I guess my assumption for the reasoning is like, it's called. The Bob Newhart show. So fans of Bob Newhart who love like his comedy and his albums and stuff would be drawn to it. But then they're not like, this is actually him in the show. I guess it does make sense in a way. There's still, there aren't versions of that today. There's, I guess, I guess not for a sitcom. I guess for a sitcom, you don't, uh, yeah. I mean, Tina Fey isn't. Tina on 30 Rock, obviously. But Tracy Jordan, that's, I mean, that's like... Uh, you know, I feel like Tracy's talked about that, that they I, that they wanted him to... There was talk of him being Tracy Morgan oh, really? on the show. I, mean, I, that, I could be wrong with that, but... Uh, um, yeah, that, that he wouldn't do that. I don't know. It's... Uh, it's that's just the way it was. It, it wasn't so strange, but the, but all those shows were that way. I mean, now I want to know because when he did the New Heart, where they were, where he was an innkeeper in New England, and the show was just called New Heart. I don't think that his name was either was. Bob or New. Heart. It might it might have been Bob again, but uh, you know there was a drinking game that was High Bob was a drinking game. No, when people I got to look this up online, but I, I'm pretty sure that there was a college drinking game was. When pe- when someone would say hi Bob, that's so funny. You would do a shot <laughs> unless it's like from unless this is from something else other than Newhart. But I, I gotta I gotta look that up. Um, well, actually, a part of one thing I sometimes do on the podcast is come up with a drinking game for the show we watch. So uh-huh. that actually does make. I mean, well, that's for Newhart. Uh-huh. But what would be a drinking thing for this? Sh- I mean, for this episode of this show, other like, other than hi Bob, uh, other than hi Bob, I feel like. Um, Anytime there's a reference to spousal abuse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, anytime there's like a... I bet if you looked in 70s television at at how many jokes there were about um, healthy lifestyles, making making fun of healthy lifestyles. Like there's sort of an eye rolling about eating alfalfa sprouts or, or whatever was the sort of... Health trend of of the day. Well, even when I when I you were saying yoga earlier. You yeah, wanted, that was but like yeah, yoga was. But when they like when they mentioned that the friends was a nutritionist in this, like that even was I was like, huh, this must be something funny about that because I think it felt so that, out of the norm for like a early seventies show. I think the idea that there was that a nutritionist was a profession. That would be my guess that the. The idea that someone got paid to be a nutritionist was, you know, what's what's the equivalent today? I, I feel like life coach. Right. Like now we make life coach jokes or what, what else would be something for, for today? Um, 
you know, just the, that it's like, really, that's you're going to make a living doing something that stupid. Yeah, I feel like life coach is the perfect example. But I hope that that's not a thing that in the future we're like, well, everybody has life coach. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, want, I wonder. Uh, yeah, I, I think that I think that making the idea that people were concerned about healthy eating and that people made choices was considered um Silly, yeah, and something to make fun of. And now it's like, oh, well, all these people probably had heart attacks. <laughs> they're, because all dead. They're, they're all dead uh, because of their choices. Yeah, I, I, again, like it's 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 totally entertaining on a uh, cultural level. I remember, I remember seeing that apartment. I totally remember thinking that was like glamorous lifestyle. That's so funny that that apartment building and the apartment was um, that, that 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 was like really chic uh, and yeah just like money and comfort it's so and funny seeing cosmo- that now cosmopolitan when everything just to me looks like brown like it's just yeah. like a wash of like of like gross colors it's totally like it's totally depressing and uh well the building is all the exteriors of the building it really does look like a uh it almost looks like a project. It looks like the house, the apartment looks like a communist housing. Yeah, it looks like, like communist <laughs> housing. It does. It's just like yeah. the most generic building possible. It's yeah. it's like, oh, God. But why I, would that you? was, I think, considered – I think in the 70s that was like – that's shit. a high rise. Whoa, this yeah. Is, that was the state-of-the-art high rise. That's so depressing. Um, but I uh, know that's – again, like it wasn't that funny, but it is fascinating to watch – uh, I don't know. There was there was uh, there were other things. There, there were other jokes that I, I think yeah. I think even being an orthodontist it was probably. Well, I also silly. thought that part of it. I mean, I could be wrong, but the the way that they talked about like divorce seemed almost totally like the, that. The uh, that was like totally a, jo- a joke of the day. Like the neighbor How- Howard had been divorced, yeah. and that seemed like he's the divorced guy. You know, it's but then the, then the mother of the friend who was coming to stay with him was going through a divorce. Oh right, yeah. Because he said, can't she just go home and stay with her mother? What, or what happened to staying with your mother, going to stay with your mother? And she goes – and Suzanne Plachette says her mother's going through a messy divorce. Yeah. I think that – I mean I definitely know that um, from my own painful experience as a child <laughs> of the 70s. It's true. That, that was a – that was really novel at the time, the fact that everyone was getting divorced. That was weird. That was That was like a – that was something to to comment on because it was new and really weird. And in the 60s, it just wasn't happening like right. that. And then in the 70s, everyone was getting divorced and that was, some, that was something people would joke about. Uh, you, you know, the, today, the, the way we would – today we would make a joke about something else. I don't know. I, wa- I was going to say something terrible. <laughs> well, I don't know, terrorist attacks or like uh, – hey, you know. Something like that. <laughs> um, that wasn't the terrible thing I was going to say. I didn't say the terrible thing I was going to say because I feel because it's too raw and I I'm tempted to and I'll regret it. Please, please don't. I won't try. Our to audience I won't be able to take it. Sometimes when I have people who write for TV and do stuff for TV, I try to talk about that a little bit uh-huh. because I don't know people might be interested. I guess what was your experience like, sort of uh, starting off at SNL? Because uh, you were in a com- or still. Do yeah. stuff with uh, with uh, Leo Allen, and you guys 
wrote stuff together um, and then were brought on together as like a, as a writing team. So what was that? I mean, I should maybe talk about before that even started what that process was like um, for you two as a writing team, like leading up to that. We had written for other people before we were at SNL, but mostly we wrote for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stage. I mean, that's and we we had well, we had written you know we had written things to to sell. Um, that was we wrote things not for just for ourselves, so that's that's not totally true. But you know, we were always sort of combining writing for ourselves and writing for others. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, a lot of our time was spent trying to come up with what to do next on stage. Um, and then other, some time was spent on, you know, trying to write a movie to sell a movie or to, to write something for somebody else. But, uh, obviously when we went to SNL, we were, we were never writing for ourselves at that point. We were, we were writing for the show and for the cast. Um, and, uh, I think it was, it's, it was a lot, it was a, made it a lot more comfortable to go to Saturday Night Live with a writing partner because yeah. you I think there's something you know intimidating about being in a new environment uh, like that which is so uh, famous and established and everyone it's, it's been on the air forever and a lot of the people have been there for a bunch of years before you you get there um, there's a system already in place yeah and uh you know, so you sort of walk. I remember the first day we wrote at SNL was we were doing commercial parodies before the season begins. But there's always like a, you know, a few weeks or a month before you the season starts when the writers come and start writing commercial parodies, and um, it's very casual in the beginning uh, of the season. Um, but we were given our office, and you know, we were introduced to a couple of writers were there that day and there were some cast members there, but it wasn't like this, um, welcome aboard. And, uh, um, you know, we, we really just went to our office and went to work, right. which was, which was odd. You know, uh, we, we didn't know like how long we, were, we should stay <laughs> that day. And we sort of, I don't know. We just sort of closed the door. I don't know. Or we didn't. We just sat there in our office and, and, and wrote commercial parodies by ourselves. And I think we stayed later than anybody else because we were new and we, we were like, we should be writing. And I, I, I remember being there those first few days after everybody left and sort of like walking around going, <laughs> I know, this is bizarre. Right. We're, we're like walking around the Saturday Night Live offices. But it was nice to be with somebody you had written with a lot because if you were anxious about what you were submitting, you had your partner to go, this is funny, right? This is a funny idea. Um, and uh, I'm not. I never got the feeling that anybody ever read any of those commercials <laughs> that we wrote. Um, but uh, um, it was good having a writing partner at Saturday Night Live. It definitely g- gave us confidence. And, uh, you know, S- SNL, it, it can be a tough place to start new. I can only imagine, yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, everyone's everyone's very nice. I, people, I've heard, like, stuff about how competitive and I've, I never found that to be true at Saturday Night Live. I always thought that everyone, the writers and the cast, were always supportive of each other when I was there. Uh, I thought that's how it was. But uh, um, 
But it's not like uh, everybody was running into your office to say, hey, welcome aboard. Right. It was definitely like, okay, go right and we'll, you know, submit it. And, you know, it'll be your work will be at the table on on Wednesday um, at read through. Uh, right. Uh, but you're on, you're kind of on your own. You sort of have to find your way when you first get there. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, I was listening to uh, an interview with uh, Mel Brooks recently and they was talking, they were talking about, you were mentioning Sid Caesar before the show of shows, but it was such a small writing room like uh-huh. that. It, and uh, we've worked in a writing room together yeah. that was very small and intimate, but um I feel like it must be super, really different when it's just everybody's sort of on their own work out. So there's no like missions. I mean, you know, SNL is a sketch show, but there's no like mission statement or like we're, it's sort of disparate sketches put together rather than like we're all working towards one collective thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that that's how it feels um, to a certain degree. I mean, you have on Monday, you pitch to the, host and that and that's a group thing everyone's in there together and everyone's sort of got the same nerves like facing the week and what are you going to come up with um and and, you know the longer you're there and the the more you have a relationship with cast members and other writers the more you you know find yourself quickly um scheduling your night tuesday night what cast member is going to are you going to work with mm-hmm. at what point? And, and you start to collaborate with everybody there. But it's, it's in the very beginning, you, you definitely are going to your office and uh, sort of nervously coming up with your sketches. And it's really, it is just your thing. It's, you know, you're, you're doing your best to come up with something for the host that week. I mean, that's definitely, but the stuff that you and I have done together, um, which I'm sure the people listening are, Know full well. No, don't know full well. Um, Night of Too Many Stars. Um, uh, it's nice to have a room full of writers where we're all pitching to each other all day long. And well, it's just it's just fun to bullshit. Yeah. It's just bullshitting. Yeah. It's not. It well, doesn't really feel. It doesn't. I mean, the it's great because it, at moments it just doesn't feel like you're work. Like you get work done, but it feels like you're just sort of. Well, when you come up the way we do Night of Too Many Stars is. It always feels like, um, I mean, there are there are things like I can't even remember who had the original pitch. Somebody did, and then somebody else has a funny take on it, and then uh, and then Robert comes in and has the funniest take. Robert yeah. Michael comes in and has the funniest take of all, and and then uh, and then and then then the sketch or the bit emerges and it's a group. It's a, it's sort of everybody is a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's not Saturday night live was more a thing of going, writing your thing. And then on Wednesday when the cast would, when would read it, there was a great moment of, uh, um, uh, every, every sketch at SNL had the writer's name in the upper left-hand corner or the writers, um, names and when read through happens and you finish a sketch and then you go to the next sketch on the pile and your name you know would be up in the uh, upper left hand corner you know everybody would the first thing everyone would do is look at the writer's right. names and and then it was sort of your chance to either do well or or to 
do terribly. Right. And uh, and if you did, and if the if the sketch killed you felt you know great like everybody knew it was your moment everyone was like oh you know they wrote this and if it did terribly it was it could be really tough but uh but uh yeah you did have sort of your chance to to have your moment whereas like writing the staff like we've written together it's nobody really has that like moment. Yeah. It's sort of every, everybody owns everything except for when you give that one funny line and it bombs and then just yeah. go home shitting when, yourself. When you argue really hard for something to be <laughs> in, in, in the sketch and then it's in the sketch and it doesn't do well. Um, wait, did you once tell me about a Christopher Walken pitch at SNL? Was that something medieval Knievel? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, uh, yeah, Christopher Walken. Uh, well, we usually went when hosts when you'd pitch to hosts, they very rarely had anything to say. They would sort of sit there. I think they were very nervous on Mondays, and uh, I think a lot of the point of the pitch meeting is to make them feel like, let them see that there's a big group of people working, working. to make them look good. Yeah, they're trying to make. Yeah, exactly, trying to make take care of them uh so they would sit and listen politely and, and anxiously and uh yeah christopher walken after we pitched to him had a list of uh of pitches and uh uh christopher walken's obviously like totally amazing on the show oh he's yeah uh, he's like a high one of the highlight hosts and i yeah i remember him pitching Medi- medieval Knievel, but you know <laughs> nobody nobody wrote it it didn't uh, take off Nobody, uh, but uh, but I'm sure he had a great show. He always that guy always does. That guy's he's a true class act. <laughs> um, cool. Um, do we have any final parting words on uh, the Bob Newhart show? I I unfortunately don't think it. I mean, this episode didn't hold up in the tests of time. Yes, I'm, I'm. I feel bad. I feel guilty. Um, I, oh, I don't. Feel I was guilty. excited. Because I was tempted to say Mork and Mindy because I remember Mork and Mindy – and Mork and Mindy I know is a terrible show and I have seen chunks of that and it's unbearable. But it was so big. It's was, also so – the difference with that show is that it's so novelty. Like it's completely – it's so tongue-in-cheek, right? I mean it's like – I, I don't know. alien. I, 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 I don't know. I just think that Robin Williams was such a um, uh, people were just so excited by his style of performance that at the time it was just it just blew people's minds. I don't know. People were was so excited about it, but that show was so huge and it just does not hold up oh. at all. Uh, and it seems like it could be funny to watch an episode of that, but I, I actually think it would be dis- just disappointing because it's just so so silly but i actually thought really believe that this episode would be funny and and i was disappointed well you but failed I'm but sorry. um actually when you're i just remembered i read that um john belushi book wire or about john belushi uh wired by uh, bob woodward uh-huh. yeah and one thing that i learned in it that i was like holy shit was that robin williams did cocaine with john belushi the night that he died is that true? Yeah, I don't. Th- it's not like the thing that led to him dying. It was just like one of the many things he did over God. the course of the night. But I was like, "Holy crap! What? Like, how could you? How do you feel? How do you feel after that? Like, that's a nightmare." Uh, 
Yeah, I uh, I don't know if I would have survived even if I hadn't done cocaine. Being in a room with Robin Williams on cocaine, I think <laughs> might might be the last night of my life. <laughs> but uh, I did improv with Robin Williams and I survived. Did you? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I came out. All the stronger. What did it sound like? Did he do like a? Uh, I I remember being. I remember going to see Chicago City Limits in my mother because I had an interest in comedy, and I was fifteen years old maybe. And my mother took me to see Chicago City Limits, uh, which at the time was like all there was for improv in New York. Right. Uh, There was no UCB or anything else. And we went to see Chicago city limits on the East side. And, uh, uh, and Robin Williams came out in the middle of the show. And it was, it was like, I, I, it was like the most amazing thing I ever saw. I mean, I was 15. Robin Robin Williams popped out on stage and like, whatever that was, 1983, it was unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, so I'm glad to see he's still showing up at the next show. Yes, <laughs> he showed up, and he was actually really ama- – I mean, uh, for a performer, it was like the coolest thing that could pretty much ever happen um, at the time. And I, it was, and he was like really cool. I remember seeing him at the uh, at Kennedy Center Honors. I can't remember who was being honored, but I was there because we performed as, I don't know, part of the whole weekend festival of the – Mark Twain Award. It was this a long time ago. And uh, Robin Williams was on stage and I was uh, sitting with a a bunch of like, comedy snobs like me. We were all like, we're not going to laugh at Robin Williams. <laughs> and we were sort of grimacing like, no way. Uh, and he was so undeniably funny that night. I just remember sitting next to all these guys who were like trying really hard not to laugh, to be cool and just starting to crack up because it was I'm like, well, well, he's being funny. He is funny. Yeah. He is funny. But he is like – I remember once I rented a, a VHS of his stand-up from the 80s like in middle school because yeah. I was you know, like super into comedy and all that. And I couldn't watch it because it was too sweaty and like oh, – yeah. co- like I it was – it made me like uncomfortable watching it because he was just probably as coked up as he could be at the time, and like, but he—I mean—he's undeniably hilarious, but he is a lot to handle. Uh, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna. I definitely will not argue with you. Well, I really hope he's not listening. Oh, uh, and Robin, if you're listening, I'm sorry, and I love you. Me too. Um, thanks so much, Eric. I really appreciate you casting with me. Is this your first podcast? I have never even listened to a podcast in my entire life. What a great introduction! <laughs> um, and, and you've never, you've only, you've, and you've only watched one episode of Friends. So if you listen to this, <laughs> you'll listen to as many podcasts as episodes of Friends. It, does Phoebe have a podcast? Bazinga! <laughs> thank you to Eric Sloven, and thank you to you, the listener, for listening. Uh, check me out at Craig Rowan on Twitter. And make sure to like or become a fan of It's That Episode on Facebook. It's a lot of fun. You'll lose yourself in the few posts that I have up there. Um, So check that out. And you can obviously check out this every Monday on iTunes or every Friday at 6.30, I think, on Sirius XM Radio Channel 406. It's either 6 or 6.30. I I won't look it up. I'll leave it up to you. That's the fun of life. You get to explore things. All right. Have a great night and an early manana. Adios, amigos.